salvation. Now he knows that if something happens to him in this world, that his next step is in heaven with Jesus because he didn't know before. And and so, you know, it's, it's being willing to go and talk. It's being willing to go and, and listen and, and share Jesus with somebody and and. Bring people to that salvation, to that knowing that they need Jesus in their life. And so as today's the day of the salvation, yesterday, last night at his house was a day of salvation for him. And so we're just honored and ecstatic and, and happy that I could be a part of that and, and watch that um, conversion take place in his life and just the joy on his face. I asked him when I left, I said, do you feel like you're at peace? He said, I'm at total peace with God right now. So that's just, that's awesome. So anyway, all right. Um, thank you, with Brad, this morning for the word, and thank you all for being here. I hope everybody had a good and happy Thanksgiving with your family. I don't know, did anybody get to loosen their belts? Nobody. I remember my mom's dad; he was about as big around as her, but he had this little pooch belly. And so after after dinner, he'd go sit in his recliner with his leg up, and he would unbutton his little his little pants right there, and that's all he would do. <laughs> and so it was great. <laughs> he would do that, do his crossword puzzle, and. Smoke on his non-filtered Lucky Strike cigarette that he broke in half, half at a time. So, one in memories. But uh, but no, it, it's good. It's good that we can meet together and, and join together as a family and, and eat. And I ate way too much on purpose and a, a couple times. And do what? So have you? Good. Good. I'm glad, Elijah. It's good to see you this morning, bud. Amen. All right, so a couple other announcements. Uh, Brad mentioned the uh, pictures for the families. So we got sign-up sheets back there on that little bulletin board for December 2nd, December 9th. I think the time's starting at 1230, and we'll go in like 15-minute increments. I mean, we're not – this is not one of those where, hey, I need to change into three different sets of clothes. You know, we're taking pictures of dogs and cats and grandbabies and everybody separate. It's, hey, a family picture. And we'll get it done in 15 minutes, and then we'll we've got it. I've got it set up on a website now, to where I'll send you the picture with a link, and or send you a link where you can go get the picture and download it. Um, we figured that would be the best way to uh, to do that, unless y'all want all y'all stuff posted all over Facebook, and you go and save it from there. So, so we're gonna do that. So anyway, that's that's starting next Saturday. That's a week from yesterday. So remember that. Um, and then, also, if you want to buy sheets, they're back there in that box. We've got packets back there. If you want to sell them, we need those back. If you get them for Christmas presents or something for somebody, or just want them. You know, we're going to send an order in on December 14th, so we need everything back in on Wednesday, December 13th for that. And so, like I said, they're in a box back there by the back door, and so we need those. And those proceeds also go to the building fund, just like this other Um and then um, cookbooks. So remember, we've got probably 90 cookbooks left back here in the back, $12 a piece. And so if you'd like a cookbook, know somebody that would, um, get, um, we'll need to get those sold. And, and so men and women can sell these things. It's not just a women thing. I've sold cookbooks at work to other men. Okay. Men cook, right? How many men in here cook? Okay. The couple. So, so men can sell also and men can do these things. And you don't make you any less a man to do those. All right. Anything else? Did I miss anything? Christmas parade. Yes, thank you. I have it wrote down. So Christmas parade, December 12th. 
So that's a couple weeks away. So this Wednesday, um, in our men and women's classes that we have, we're going to need to start decorating. If you've noticed in the back, there is tons of cardboard back there that's supposed to go around one of Drew's trucks, his, uh, his um, wreckers, flatbeds, whatever you want to call them, rollbacks. Is that what it's called? So, so we need to start figuring out that design for that, start coloring up cardboard. If not, we're going to be December 11th here till 10 o'clock at night trying to get things done. And so let's not do that. Let's take and prepare ahead of time and get these things done and take what time we can. And we love all the food that the women bring. We do. And we're glad that you do it. But for the next couple of weeks, at least, while we're getting this stuff fixed up, let's just see if we can minimize it to finger foods. And, and the one that normally brings all the food, she's not here this morning, so I have to call her later. The set's not here. So we'll just minimize it to chips and dip. You know, stuff like that to where it's easy and not a lot of cleanup so we can concentrate on these other things we need to we need to get done. Um, now, is that it? Did I miss anything? I'm asking my boss. He keeps up with my with everything, and, and so I need to make sure. Do what? Oh, I thought somebody said something. All right. Okay. Well, all right. Well, let's receive our offering just now. We can be excited for that, right? Amen. Amen. Make sure I didn't. All right, we do have a few prayer requests that, that as we pray this morning, uh, Miss Jenny Jacobs texted me, and she said she was in a lot of pain, so we need to remember her. We need to remember um, Stacy's dad, Ernie, this morning. Um, he's still dealing, and we're believing for healing in his life with the effects of the stroke. Um, I think J.J. said this morning that, that you know he's, he's not able to see right now. He's not able to walk. But we believe in a God that's bigger than that. But and I'm sure JJ expound on it more. His attitude is something that's through this that we all need to take note of. That he's still blessing and praising God no matter what. And so, um, but uh, his name is Ernie. Remember that. And then Tisha Speakman, she has went yesterday and found out she's got bronchitis and pneumonia. So we need to remember her this morning as we pray. All right, and the Fowler family this morning. For, for their blessings there and comfort there. Anything else this morning as we pray? All right, well, let's join together. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for this day and this time we've had together already. Father, that, that we've, we've got the opportunity to worship and praise your name. We get to come into this, this place with thanksgiving and praise, and we thank you for the, allowing us that, that we get to be here today and worship and be in your word in and, and one heart and one accord and one spirit today, Father. God, we just uh, thank you for the word that's come forth already, God. We just take that and we grow with it. And when we go on and we go forth and, and know that you're Lord of our life and we grow in our relationship with you each and every day. Father, we bring these needs to you right now. We pray for Miss Jenny Jacobs, God, that she's at home dealing with this pain, that you touch her right now, bring health and healing to her body. God, that you just, uh, we just join with her in her, in her prayer that she is healed, and we thank you for that. The same with Ernie this morning, that you touch him right there where he's at, that you bring health and healing to him. Father, that these eyes will open, that these body parts, these legs will strengthen, and, Father, these effects will be gone. And, God, we know that you can heal, you can move, and you can work in his life, and we thank you for that. 
that. And thank you, God, that you were Tisha this morning, dealing with this bronchitis and, and pneumonia, that you touch her, bring healing to her and her body and her life right now. God, we ask you to your Holy Spirit, just comfort Brad's family, the Fowler's fathers, the loss of this loved one. And, and God, that you just touch and you move and they draw strength from you. And knowing that, Father, she's in heaven with you. And, and God, that we can, we can rest assured of that. And we thank you for it, Father. God, we just ask that, again, you're with the rest of this time together. Be with J.J. as he comes in a few minutes to bring the word this morning that he... Um, that you work through him and move through him and that we open up our hearts to receive this morning what you have for us and that we take those things out from here and we, and, we'll be, and we be the children of God that you've called us to be. And we thank you for that. God, bless this time of tithes and offerings that you touch and bless and move in each and everyone's life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, all right, children. Y'all go to Children's Church. I think they're going to get to do crafts back there today. And Hey, buddy. He's not, Tanner is not here today, buddy. <laughs> Him and Tanner have become good friends, and he was wondering where Tanner was. I wish Tanner was here today, but he is not. Um, all right. Well, I hope and pray that your hearts are ready to receive this morning. Again, I love, and I say this every time, I love having people that are willing to do what God's called them to do and use the, what God's given them in their life and, and what He's laid on their hearts. And so this morning, J.J.'s going to come and share what God's given him. Amen? Y'all give him a hand. Good morning. How is everybody? Smiling and alive, amen? Are y'all are y'all alive with me this morning? Come on, let's get the same attitude we had last night when we was watching the Alabama and Auburn game, amen? Everybody was live and full of pillow pep, back and forth, back and forth, right? <laughs> hey, something about the iron bowl that brings that out in just about everybody, amen. Well, this morning, everybody can relax. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. I've done preached this message about 35 times in my head the last two nights, so I hope I don't butcher it up too bad and uh, all that. But it ain't the normal uh, rough message. It's a rest at ease. I hope you didn't have to wear your steel toe boots this morning. Nothing like that. God finally gave me a little break from all that. Uh, but we're going to talk about counting it all joy. Amen. Kind of what Brad was talking about in devotion even. And, uh, you know, to count it all joy is, can be a foreign thought process to us sometimes, can't it? Because we like to count the good things joy, right? It's easy to do that. But Scripture tells us to count all things joy. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Count it joy. So to be able to do that, we don't divvy things up when we look back on our 
past experiences and things we're going through now and all these different things, we can't tally them up in the good column, the shaky column, and the bad column, good columns, and none of this. It's none of that. You can't have any of that if you're going to count it all joy. It's all in one column. Count it all joy. You know, and if you look back at that word, uh, all, if you carry it back to its original meaning and the original language and all that stuff, I'm going to elaborate on that word this morning and uh, amaze you with some words. That, guess what it means in its original thing? All. That's what it means. Everything. So, count it all joy. That's what I want to talk about this morning. You know, all things as we go through... Uh, so this message probably ain't for nobody in here. It's probably just for the people in Facebook world or YouTube and none of this because uh, nobody in here goes through things, right? None of us is experiencing things right now, never been through anything. And, you know, God's got us in this protective bubble, and we ain't going to face nothing in the future. So this ain't for us. It's for everybody else, okay? But when we, when we go through things and life hits you in the face and all these different things, you know, we're supposed to keep focused on God all the time, right? And I've said it a lot. Uh you know, it's easy to focus on God and give God praise and all these things and when they're going through the good things. But what about the bad? You know, we're quick to say God is good, you know, and all these different things when things are going good. When things ain't going good and every life has hit you in the face, you feel like you've been in a 12-round fight with Mike Tyson. Guess what? God is still good. God is still in control and God is all, all these different things. So let's not forget to praise God just as much in the valley as we do on the mountaintop and all these different things. And the same God is with us in those fires and temptations and trials and all these different things. That same God is walking hand in hand with us. It's just we get focused on the surrounding sound of the storms and the winds blowing that we don't hear that still small voice of God there. You know, I, I like to think of it as in a, you ever been in a crowded room where there's chaos and loud Noises everywhere, and if you focus hard enough, somebody sitting way across the room, if you focus hard enough, you can almost hear what they're saying amongst all this chaos. That's how we need to focus on God in those trials and stuff in our life, because when we're going through those trials, you know, Satan sure ain't being quiet, right? So that's why all the chaos and the storms going on, God is steadily there with that still, small voice saying, come on, child, we got this, you got this, come on. And that's that still, small voice, and that's how the attitude we need to have. But, uh, you know, I love how the Holy Spirit orchestrates His perfect plan in the hearts of His people. You know, I said it here a lot, you know, like it seems like the we don't share notes and all these different things, but like the way devotions and everything just seems to flow so smooth here. You know, I, I was thinking back, it was probably uh, the title of this message come to me probably four or five months ago, last time I preached up here, but I hadn't more made it back to my seat, and this title was there instantly. Uh, so I knew what I was going to preach about next time I got asked months ago. And uh, so as I was getting things together, I, that come back to my, my memory. And I was thinking how Mark ended last week. He said, if we have nothing else to thank God for, then thank Him for sending His Son, Jesus. And as we thank Him for these things, then the hurts and pains that you're going through in your life right now will not seem so hurtful and painful. Amen? They'll still be there, but you'll be looking to Jesus. Amen? And that's exactly where we're picking back up this morning. So how many, how many of us in here have drama going on right now? You know, good show of hands. So maybe I was wrong. Maybe maybe this is for somebody in here. If you don't right now, then how many just came out of some drama-filled situations? 
I'm going to raise my hand in all categories. And if neither of those two categories fit you, then I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there's a drama-filled situation on the horizon heading your way. That's just the way life is, amen? Drama and trials seem to have a key to the front door of our lives, amen? It's unavoidable. We ain't immune to the troubles of life just because Jesus is Lord of our lives, right? The Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust and what and the, and the unjust. And what that means is storms happen. You can be a child of God for 50, 60, 70 years and it's going bad things is going to happen because life is life. We have but the difference is we have someone on our side who walks through the fire with us. Amen. If you're a child of God this morning, you have somebody walking through there with you. Who was tested and tempted from all sides, yet without sin. Amen. So he knows what it's like. He knows what we're going through, and he's right there with us in the midst of it all. You know, we serve a God who knows exactly what we're going through. Uh, he ain't abandoned us at any point. You know, like that song we sang about, you know, those still those voices that get in your head. How many of you know that the worst battles can sometimes be right here between these old ears right here? You know, those voices telling you that you ain't worthy. Those voices telling you that you've done too much. Those voices telling you to just give it up, that there ain't no hope that God's give up on you. I'm telling you now, it's a lie straight from the depths of hell that God never gives up on you and you've never done too much. All it takes is for you to humble yourself enough to look up. That's all it takes. But he's right there with us. He's leading the way, talking to us. Calling us onward with a still, small voice, saying, I got you, child. Just focus on me. We just got a little bit further to go. Amen. So if you're in the middle of that drama right now, that's God's word for you this morning. Hang on. We just got a little bit further to go. You know, I've heard that saying, say, even if you can hang on just by, by him, make sure it's the hem of his garment. Amen. You're almost there. Don't give up now. He's saying, trust me, when we get through this fire, you ain't even going to smell like smoke on the other side. Amen? Don't give up because there are eyes all around watching. How many of you know that? You know, I guarantee you the world is watching every little thing that us Christians go through. I know I did. I, well, I watched them like a hawk before I got saved. Cause I was just waiting for that one slip up to prove that God wasn't real because that was my mission. Some hoping for your downfall. But, oh, they're going to be disappointed when they see you full of joy and praising God in the middle of the fire and come out unscathed and stronger than you were before when you went in. Amen? That's God being glorified. Some are watching to see if what you got is real. Amen? Let your life be a testimony of God. Amen? And your trial could be their path to freedom. Think about that. Everything ain't always about us. You know, us... I, my devotion last time was about selfishness. You know, we think, like you were saying, even, you know, let's get us out of the equation for a little bit. Sometimes that thing that you're going through, it's going to teach you something in it, but it's for somebody else in the bigger scheme of things. So your trial could be their path to freedom when the glory and power of God is revealed through that dark and grim situation that appears no possible way someone could ever overcome or recover from. But greater is he that is in you than in he that is in the world. Amen. The light will always expel the darkness. Remember, it ain't always about you. 
We're going to read from James chapter 1 this morning. We're going to start at verse 2, I believe it is. We're going to read through 2 through 8. But it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. It's good words right there. And like I said, count. To count it all joy. Count means to evaluate something. He's encouraging us to evaluate the way we look at trials. You ain't saying count it all joy and just be happy like, oh boy, I get to go through this today. You know, I don't think that's what he's saying. He said, but you're going to be in that anyway, right? So while you're there, let your focus be where it needs to be is what he's saying. So you're counting it all joy knowing that there's a bigger picture, knowing that something positive is going to be produced out of it because the Scripture says that all things work together for the good of them who are in Christ Jesus. So that means no matter how bad the situation and circumstances you're going through is, if you keep your focus where it needs to be, then that thing is going to work together for the good, and some good is going to come out of it. You're going to become stronger. You're going to become a better person because of it. So evaluate how we look at the, at the trials. And to develop a new and improved attitude that shifts it from our usual response, which is what? Why me? Why, God? Why, 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 why? Where are you, God? Where is God? How many of us are guilty of that? Why does God do this? Or why does God allow this? I've said this 17 trillion times probably in my <laughs> existence here on earth. When you shift it from that to an attitude that even though typically a trial is not an occasion for joy, we don't pretend that they're enjoyable to endure because they can be difficult and painful, right? We're not going to pretend that it ain't because it is. But they exist for a purpose. Amen? They have the potential of producing something good in us. And that is the reason for the joy. We too many times can't see the forest for the trees. You know, I've heard that saying, saying a lot. We even, it even got brought up on the job site the other day. We sat there for a second, like, what does that even mean? Can't see the forest for the trees. You know, and I was like, well, that's pretty much us, us as we walk. You know, like, you don't see in the bigger picture of things, I believe, what it's saying. You know, there's a whole big picture of a forest back there, but when you're focused on that one tree that's right in your face, you're so focused, fixated on that that you can't see the bigger picture of what's going on behind. Amen? But there's always a bigger picture at work. All we want to focus on is the, the negative. You know, that's me. You know, I've negative, negative, negative. But you know, by the saving grace of Jesus Christ, you know, and that work of the Holy Spirit inside of you, shifting and changing. You know, that's what I glorify God about this morning. That you know, it ain't that uh, I read or study more than anybody else. It's not that. You know, we are required to do these things. I'm not making light of that. But the true work, it ain't like I can lift it. It ain't like I can do this. It ain't this and that. It's the work of the Holy Spirit inside that changes me. He does that work. 
all those things that I was so corrupted with for years and years and years when I had that natural birth, that, that second birth, I woke up that next morning, it was like somebody flipped a light switch, and every, every thought that I used to just be so consumed with was gone. I didn't do that. It didn't take me five years of, i got to get up and study and study and study. God just did it. So there's work that the Holy Spirit does that we can't even put words to that He just does. And it's nothing, no, I can't brag about it. I can't say it's anything that I've done. Jesus Christ just does it. So that being said, that negative attitude that I always have by the transforming, by the renewing of our mind and all these different things that Scripture tells that would happen, that happens by us just spending time with Him, by us just focusing on Him. That's all we have to do. That's, that's the only thing that I can say that I have done any work part of. I just try to spend time with Him, and by doing that, the work of the Holy Spirit changes me from the inside out. That negative attitude is gone. Those things that's in your life that seem to hound you and hound you and hound you, those things will fall off if you just let God be God in your life. Amen? Sometimes we focus on the negative and sometimes we that God is punishing us, us for our sin. You know, that ain't always the case. You know, He does chastise His children and all these different things, but God ain't just sitting up there. You know, we, we get this twisted thought of God that He's sitting up there in heaven with a lightning bolt just waiting for somebody to slip up so I can pop them with something bad. You know, that is not the God that we serve. Christ already took the punishment. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, we tend to lose sight of that so much that Christ already took the punishment for your sin. So is God going to be a God of double punishment? If He's already punished Christ for your sins, then why is He going to turn around and punish you for your sins? It don't even make sense. Now, He's going to chastise you. He's going to let you know things in your life ain't right. You need to remove these things and all these different things because I want you to become more like me. There's a big difference between that and punishment of how we get this twisted thing of the reason we're going through this is because He's punishing me for this. So Christ already took the punishment. Uh, so what we really need to focus on is what they really are, and that's opportunities to joyfully mature and to Christ-likeness. Amen? Evaluating past trials. I've seen, this is what I've seen by looking back on my craziness. I've seen that God brings good out of bad situations and even makes you a better person of certain circumstances, even if you ain't a believer and a child of God. Amen? Come on now. That's the God we serve, that He even does that things in unbelievers' life. He did it in my life. I'm sitting here and testify of it today. I didn't see it then. I didn't realize it was Him. I didn't give Him glory for it, but He does those things. And my dad is an example of that. My dad, not having a dad and all these different things, and I'm not going to expand on that, but we'll just say that caused me to take a very disturbed path for quite a while. And uh, even in that... The good that came from that is I've seen in that, and I've seen the pain and the hurt and the thing that it makes and puts on someone, that that made me a better person. And it said, I, my child will never know what it's like to look up in the ball stand and not see Dad sitting there. My child will never know what it's like to not have Dad having you back when the world's against you. Dad's got you back. We'll go whoop the whole town of Faultville if it takes it. And I wouldn't say, but God did that work in my life and made me, brought at least that out of it. 
and I wouldn't save him. Here's the difference. I didn't have God. I wasn't walking with him. So the same trial produced the same result as far as the goodness that we're talking about. But instead of counting it all joy, here's the difference. And seeing the bigger picture and it producing patience, I counted it as the opposite. And it produced a bitterness and a hatred towards the world and almost everyone in it, including myself. So that's the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. Amen. I let it lead me down a path of destruction for years. Oh, but that ain't the end of the story. Amen. I met someone named Jesus. One Wednesday night, I was telling Rosie about it this morning. She's already got preached to this morning at the house. I was just putting, I was just loading the dishwasher, and <laughs> we had a whole conversation this morning. So she gets two churches today. But I met Jesus one Wednesday night. My life has never been the same. Amen. He started changing that stinking thinking inside of me, and looking back on. All my circumstances, I see now that God was there in the midst of it all working on my behalf because even as someone who at the time cussed God for everything and hated Him, He still loved me. Still brought good out of it. Still looking at the bigger picture, He said, Son, you can say all you want right now. How many times have raised out my mom? I've said all kind of hurtful things to my mom. I'm I'm ashamed of it now, but it, it is what it is. You know, kids do stupid stuff. Amen. And, uh, even in that, you know, you never stop loving them, do you? God never stops loving us and all these different things. And I can just see God, you know, the whole time I, I can remember standing in my living room cussing him for everything that was worth because I was blaming him for everything because I wouldn't count it all joy and all these different things. And I could see him just sitting there taking it. I was not going to get upset this morning. I just had a vision of Christ hanging on the cross saying, give it to me, son. Because he sees the bigger picture. He said, get it all out of your system because, boy, i got a work for you to do. Amen. He's telling a lot of you that this morning. Give him what you got. Lay it down. He can take it. He's a God big enough that he can take anything that you told him, that burden him, that song that we sing. He's a chain breaker. He, anything that you're toting this morning, lay it down. You don't have to tote it around in this life, and you're not unworthy. You're not all these things. Lay that garbage down at the feet of Jesus. I just couldn't see it and never gave him the glory for the end result. But now he gets the glory in all things. Amen. Then he goes on to say, when you fall into various trials, notice that he said fall into them. Amen. Not create or jump into them. I used to be good at that. I, I, I could cannonball off into some trials and all these different things. So many of our trials are brought upon us because of our own mouths. Amen. We don't like to admit that, do we? You know, a lot of the ty- trials and tribulations that we find ourselves in because it's right here. Our attitude to people, our mouths, and sometimes we just need to zip it, you know. We create so much stuff is what I'm saying. You know, it ain't always God did this. and He, you know, sometimes you did that. Our own selfishness. Amen. We don't like to think about that either, but a lot of our trials that we find ourselves in is because of our own selfishness. We won't remove ourselves out of the way and uh, 
different things. Our own refusal to admit that we're wrong. Amen. We, you ain't always right. We don't like to say that, do we? You know, relationships is a perfect example of that. You know, it ain't it ain't always me, 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 me. No, sometimes it is you, 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 and sometimes it's the other, and most of the time it's both. Uh, our own pride. Amen. Am I preaching to y'all this morning? On and on I could go, but you get the point. In other words, it ain't always Satan. Sometimes it's us making Satan's job way too easy. But even in those, even in that junk that you create yourself, even in that chaos that that mouth gets you into or that stubbornness or all of that stuff, even in all of that, uh, God is faithful. Amen. Just like we heard this morning, never leaves you nor forsakes you. He's, he's faithful when we ain't. So when we ain't acting right, God is faithful right there with us. And he said, I'm going to bring good out of it. He's going to be there to bail you out when we humble ourselves. Amen. The road may be a little more bumpier, but he's going to bring you out of it. He's like, you got yourself in there. You, I'm still going to teach you something. But there's going to be a little more bumps and a little more roughness because you got yourself in here. Now you're going to learn. As I say, you're going to learn today. But that is what he's talking about here. It's things out of our control, just like life being life things. So that's what he's talking about in this scripture. So that's the when you fall into various trials and uh, tribulations. That's what he's talking about. So then you read the knowing. Knowing that. Y'all can't see it, but I got that in all cap letters. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. You ain't going to be able to do verse 2 and 3 if you ain't got this part. Amen? You can't count something, Joe, if you don't know that the testing of your faith produces patience. If you ain't seeing the bigger picture of things, you're not going to be able to count it all, Joe, if you don't know that. And I don't talk about head knowledge because there's a lot of people that can give you some scripture. You can, they can talk the talk but can't walk the walk. Amen? That's what we need to get to, pass from a head knowledge to a heart knowledge. With that same knowing that there's a bigger picture, that there's a purpose for it, that good's going to come out of it, that I'm going to become a stronger person because of it, all that thing that you know that, it's got to get to here with the same type of knowledge that you know that Jesus Christ left glory that He came down to this earth and He took on flesh, that He lived a sinless life, that He died for my sins and got hung to a cross at Calvary, and He took all the punishment for my sins, that He went into the grave, that He came out three days later, conquered death, went back to heaven, preparing a place for you and me. I know that in my knower. Amen? That is in my heart. Can't nobody take that from me. I don't care. Nothing else is going to stop that. And until I know this verse with the same knowing that I know that verse, then I can count it all joy. Amen? But let have patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You can't achieve verse 2 if you don't know the other, right? Gold is purified by the fire. Amen? It works off the impurities. Amen? You see where I'm going with this? You become strong and battle-hardened by being tested. Amen? 
Someone who has never been through anything is going to be soft and fold under the first sign of resistance and the first bit of pressure. Amen. I know when I go to war, I want somebody who's got some scars on them. I want somebody who's been there before. I want somebody who can, you know, get down with it. I don't want somebody who ain't never been through nothing. The first time somebody buck up to them, they're going to run like a little schoolgirl over in the corner and bow down and cry. But a mature Christian who knows what the result of a test produces and has been through the fire a time or two, who has seen God move and knows that He's at work and knows there's a bigger picture being painted, is able to keep focused on God and count it all joy because they know who's in control and that they can trust Him regardless of what the circumstances look like with their natural eyes. Amen? These natural eyes see one thing but can't see the bigger picture of what's really going on behind the scenes. Amen. So many times I think of that and salvation in different people when you... How many of you have ever seen like when you uh, pray for somebody, the circumstances get worse in their life? Amen. You know, I, you're like when you, especially when you're talking about praying for salvation for someone or someone who's walked away or different things like that. Like these eyes can be can work up doubt and unbelief in here. Does that make sense? Because we're so moved on what we see that we can't look at the bigger picture knowing that something's going on behind the scenes. Just like when I pray for salvation for someone, like I said, is a good example. Seems like more chaos goes in their life and they seem to pick up more sin and they seem to go more the opposite direction. And you're like, Lord, are you not hearing my prayers? I'm asking to bring him into the kingdom and he's running further to the other kingdom. Well, that's what these eyes see. But we need to look and pray to see with our spiritual eyes because what is going on is that spiritual world, God is, can we know this, that as bad as I want to see this person saved, God wants them to be saved a whole lot more. So you can believe that God is doing everything and putting them through what they need to get them there. Does that make sense? So sometimes if I pray for somebody, God starts His work in the spirit. We can't see it in the physical all the time, but God starts that spiritual work on them. He's working on them. He's convicting. He's doing all these things. And what does that mean? What that same thing I did for years. When that conviction starts, I ain't having that. Pushes you away. You want to go over here. So then you go over here and you keep spiraling out of control, spiraling out of control, pushing, pushing, pushing. God is still there convicting, drawing by that Holy Spirit, doing His part. It don't look like it with these eyes, but know that the work's going on behind the scenes. God is doing that, and it pushes them, and it pushes them, and it gets them to a point. Microwave society we talk about all the time. We want that 30 seconds from the time I pray. I want to see him in church at the altar. It might, what about if it takes 30 years? Huh? Come on this morning. What if it takes 50 years? What if it takes 70 years? What if it takes them on their deathbed at 95? You're going to see it. God is going to do His part. We just need to work on our waiting part of that aspect. So God is doing His part. So that's where these these eyes can lead that doubt because we see the negative and we're like, hey, it's, it's no point. Produces patience. It means more than just putting up with something. Amen. That's what we think the word patience means is just the ability to put up with something. And in, in essence, it is, but it's deeper than that. Amen? 
it's a resting assurance that it's all going to work out according to His will, regardless of what it seems like. That's patience. Because you know it's going to work out. And you can rest in knowing that it's going to work out. You know, because like I said, I've, I've preached that and it wouldn't make no sense to me. Now, I'm not, I don't have a resting assurance and patience if what I tell you is that and then I pray for somebody tomorrow and then I get all bent out of shape because they're not doing what I said. When I just pray, preached that i got to sit back and let God be God and let God do His thing and not worry about what these eyes see and then I go about my day. And I lift up God in prayer and joy saying, thank you God for what He's going through right now because it's going to bring Him to you and it's going to produce a, a godly repentance in Him. Amen. If I'm able to do that, that's a resting assurance. Also, the ability to keep walking and trusting the Lord no matter what it looks like or how long it lasts. Now, how many of us want to do that? Question God. All the things that we do and the statements that we make, we don't really trust them. You know, if I tell you something and you're already doubting me, and I, does that show that you trust me? If I tell you that I'm going to be here at 10 o'clock, you know, and if 9.55, oh, 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 you know, whatever, you don't trust me. You ain't going to make it. You ain't going to make it. That's doubt and unbelief or you're not going to trust. They're going to be there. And by God, it's not like man that he can lie or do all these things, you know, right? So if God tells you something, you can take it to the bank. There's a whole book full of God's promises being fulfilled and some that's going to be fulfilled that they hadn't yet, but they are going to be. You've got to trust him. One translation uses the word endurance here. That faith produces, that uh, the test and all that produces endurance. I like that word. It means steadfastness. And it's the quality of being resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering. Amen. I like it. So, those trials, the things you go through, all these things, what is that doing? It's producing steadfastness, which is the quality of being resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering. Mark 13, 13. Oh, hold on, hold on. Yeah, Mark 13, 13. He says, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures, there's that endurance, to the end shall be saved. How many of you know that we live in a world Satan still has, that he's still roaming here, that he's still seeking whom he shall devour, that he wants chaos to be brought in your life for the very purpose of trying to make you doubt God, because if he can get you doubting God, like Brother Carey always says, if God, if he can get you doubting, then he's got you right where he wants you. Because if I'm doubting God, then I can no longer be fruitful for the kingdom that I can no longer, my prayers will no longer be effective because if I'm doubting, we just read it, that he who asks anything of God and doubts is like a, a double-minded man and should not expect to receive anything from God. So Satan can get us doubting. I'm not going to witness to people like I should if I'm doubting God. How can I praise and glorify a God if I'm doubting him at the same time, right? So that keeps our mouths closed a little bit more. So Satan, that is Satan's ultimate goal. So think about that. That's the world that we live in. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, which is Christ. And when you take on Christ and you start trying to minister the Word of God and you start trying to live right amongst your peers and you're not doing the things that they want you to do anymore and all these different things, they're going to hate you for that. 
Who hates more than anything? Satan. And this is the world. So you combine those together. And you will be hated for all by, for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. So Satan is trying to use everybody to hate you. To get you to hate. All these different things. Because when Satan looks at you, he sees what he can't have. Amen. Satan don't get the same opportunity that we have that we can repent. And that all the sin that we do, we repent of that. And we can make heaven our home one day. The angels and Satan can't do that. They're already destined for hell. They're doomed for hell. There's no coming back from them. So when he sees you, he sees the glory. Come on now. Satan looks at you and he sees the glory that he so longed for. That's why he got kicked out of heaven, right? Because he wanted to be God. He wanted to be God. That pride and all that. So he got kicked out of heaven because he wanted to be glorified. He wanted to have all those different things. And what do we have? The glory of God on us by Christ. So we're a walking Christ-likeness. So we are Christ, you know, represented here in the flesh. So when uh, Satan looks at us, that's what he sees. He sees that picture of what he so longed for that got him kicked out of heaven. So he despises that. You ever been in a room prior to Christ? Because we don't act like that now anymore, right? But you ever been in a room with somebody you just don't like? And it's just like, man, I cannot stand that person. It's like, you know, just as soon as they open their mouth, you're just like, oh, my goodness. It's just like nails on the chalkboard. Right? So you have that. And if you keep on and on and on, it gets to a point where as soon as you see them, you're just like, I would just love to just throat punch them. You know what I mean? That's how the world will become at you for Christ's sake. That's how Satan despises you. He despises you is what I'm saying. He, that's the feeling times probably a million of what he sees when he sees you because you're redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So he hates you is what I'm saying. And the world will hate you for the namesake of Jesus Christ. But that right there, that first part of that verse is what? That's going to create what? Trials and trials and trials and trials and trials because you're hated for the namesake of Christ. So that right there is going right along with what James is saying. Then you go to the second part. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Amen. Such perseverance and endurance is a sure indication of salvation. Amen. When somebody keeps going through stuff and going through stuff and going through stuff and they still count it all joy, they keep the positive attitude, all these different things, uh, you know, they have that perseverance. That's a sure indication of salvation. Amen. If somebody, the first time, like I said, prior to that, first little thing that happens, they throw their hands up and they quit church and run over here, is that a sure indication of salvation? These trials produce this after seeing and knowing that God is in control and seeing Him move again and again assures us we can trust Him. And it strengthens us and keeps us from uh, wavering and questioning everything and doubting everything because our faith is grounded and firm. So these trials should be producing inside of us something that is an, a knowing of God has done it before and he's, won't He do it again. Amen. We learn to depend on God and trust Him. Faith that is tested becomes genuine, rugged, and uncompromising. Amen? Who needs a test? The teacher or the student?
Come on now. God ain't testing us to see where we stand. Is he throwing something at you to say, well, let's see how strong Brother Bradley's faith is. I'm going to hit him with this so I can see how he responds to it. i tell you this, God already knows. He tests us so that we can see where we stand. Amen. So we see if our faith is what we claim it is. Like I said, it's easy to uh, be a big dog on campus when there ain't no adversity. Amen. So that we see where we are strong at and where we're weak at. And both of these things should push us closer to Jesus as we see we need Him and are nothing without Him. So these trials and these temptations, a lot of them, I start seeing in areas that I'm lacking in. Some areas I'm strong in, some areas I'm lacking in. So when I face this trial, I know God's with me. I'm not doing what I need to do. That right there pushes me closer to Jesus because I see Jesus. I need you. I can't do this without you. These different things. So then that right there is a reason for it. So next time we're faced with the same kind of test, hopefully we've matured and can face it with God and the kind of faith that the glory of God shines bright for all to see when they look and see how in the world are they going through that and still standing because we're standing on the rock. Amen. So if the same trial keeps coming over and over, sit down and pull up the book for a minute, learn the lesson and move on. Amen. Maybe it's because we ain't learned the lesson yet. You know, sometimes you got to keep, you know, if you start failing out in math, you know, they're going to make I don't know, nowadays they may not. No kid left behind. You may go right through. Ah, it don't matter if they know what 2 plus 2 is. Get them on through. Back in my day, <laughs> you'd fail, whatever else. And guess what? If I didn't get the lesson, I'd fail and I'd have to get it again until I got it enough that I could get out. My graduation was by the skin of my teeth. I think I had to do some remedial last minute <laughs> test if you don't get this test done today you will not walk with your things i think it was down to the last minute i was in the back do i put this on or do i not so when that job don't pan out count it all joy amen like i said our, our natural brains <laughs> don't can't comprehend it. How am I going to count that all joy? Well, because there's a bigger picture in the thing. We just went over all this. I hope you all got the lesson so you ain't got to go through these trials again. Like I said, we don't always know. I can't give you every scenario, but just a couple that come to my mind was maybe there's a better job on the horizon. Maybe you don't see that in two years that job, that plant's going to shut down. I don't know. All I know is God knows the end from the beginning. He's the author of our salvation. He knows it all. And he said, all right, he might not understand it now, but I'm going to make him lose this job because in five years this plant's going to shut down. He might have to lose a little bit of money right now, but it's going to work out because the end pay is better over here, and I'm going to take care of my children. We don't always know these things. When that relationship don't pan out, Count it all joy. Amen. We don't always know that. We can always say, you know, in a relationship, it's usually two people at fault. You know, we don't like to, we want it to be out with all, no, it wouldn't. It's both of you. Sometimes it can be 
preparing you and if you grow and mature and look and learn the lesson because when you look in the mirror and you see the faults and the things that you had in the situation and you're man enough or woman enough to look in that mirror and say, okay, I was wrong in this. and I should have listened to this and whatever that is and I become a stronger person and now I know I, uh, now I've got a deeper maturity and how to treat people and all these different scenarios that's preparing you for either A, the next person or for a reconciliation with the other person. Whatever that is, but it's going to take two people admitting their fault and all these different things and learning the lessons and all these different things and becoming better people out of it. Amen? When the bank forecloses on the house, count it all joy. That really don't sound good, does it? But count it all joy. I don't know. Maybe you come too dependent and money and material things have become your God. And God needs to let you get out of that big old house and down in a little old house to get you focused back where it needs to be, which is on Him. And you may have a bigger house in the future, may not. You may stay in the shack. I don't know, but keep your mind on God. When you're locked up in jail, count it all joy. You know, I think about Paul when he was in jail. You know, he could have threw his hands up. God has done, here I am serving him, and I'm in jail. Did he do that? Did he have that attitude? He sang so much praise, the doors came off the jail. Amen. And what happened in it? The jailer got saved. Amen. So like I said, it ain't always about you. If you're in jail and you keep praising and you keep praising and you keep praising, just like with Paul, the jailer said, man, that dude right there has got something, and I want it. Amen. The jailer got saved. I'm almost done. Y'all hang with me. Like Mark was talking about Brother Ernie, he's been an inspiration to me through this time. When you're laid up in the hospital bed and you can't see or walk, count it all joy. You may be there. There may be a nurse watching saying, How in the world? I've not heard anything negative out of this man. He's been laying here for six days. Can't see, can't walk. All these different things and God this and God that. I hope I've got a quarter of that fortitude in me when things start happening. Always know that there's always a purpose in the pain. Sometimes not just for you, but for those around us as well. And then if you go on down, verses 5 through 8, where he talks about if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Wisdom enables one to face trials with joy. Amen. Wisdom is not just acquired information, but practical insight and the spiritual implications. Get a hold of that. You know, I've heard this verse preached out of context a lot of, uh, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God to give it all liberal without reproach and apply that to anything. But he's tying in with the verses prior to that. That when you go through these trials and you don't understand and you don't know and all these different things, that's wisdom. Ask of God for wisdom. God, I don't understand it. That's the wisdom that he's talking about. If you don't understand it, ask God. You may or may not see it. You know, you may not get a direct answer. Sometimes he'll give you a little hint of an answer. I'm closing with this. If we don't understand and don't have the ability on our own, 
Look to and ask of God. That's seeking that wisdom. Ask and it shall be given, right? Romans 8, 18. I'm going to close on this verse. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy. Look at your neighbor and say, These things ain't worthy. All these things that you're going through, these trials, this drama, all this stuff, they are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen. That's a good verse to close on, ain't it? All this stuff that you're going through, I don't care. You can chalk up the baddest thing and the, the baddest of the bad, lay it on yourself. That is nothing. It's not even worthy to be compared to the glory that we're going to see when Jesus returns. All these things like these these little small instances like Brad's talking about that we made the, the mo, make a mountain out of a molehill and all that stuff, we're going to be... When we see and truly experience God in all His glory and love and His whole, it's going to make all that other stuff seem so obsolete and foolish when we really think about it. Amen? Cole, if you will, or whoever's up top, if you want to play some music, we're going to close on that.